I can definitely say a couple of words. Looks good. All right. All right, thank you so much. <laughs> nice. Okay. Cool. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I have, I'm, I'm like bad at, at lining things up. Like it's hard for me to, oh, right. I have, I don't even know if that's the, like I have a stigmatism. I found that out mm. like three, four days ago. Oh, yeah, no. I was getting like an eye test, like my first one since pre-COVID, and <laughs> the eye doctor said in like a very like nonchalant way, he was just like, "You have astigmatism," <laughs> and I was like, "Do I have to spend any more money for that?" Like that right. was like the fact that that was like my first question. Like I wasn't like worried if that means like I was gonna like die. I just didn't know what astigmatism right. was. Like I, I think I, all I know is that with glaucoma you can um, get a weed uh, prescription. But, like, that doesn't yep. matter now that we're in California. That exactly. would have, I think I would have been able to get um, a, a weed um, prescription in Maryland, um, which would make me a king out there. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> fuck it. Um, welcome back, doctor. How, how do you... I, I've, never, I've never said your last name, like, out loud. Del Cambry. Del Cambry. Mm -hmm. Bree or Bray? Delcam Bree. Bree, okay. Um, it's actually pronounced Delcom. Delcom. Oh. But I never go by that because it's very confusing when you look at the spelling. Yeah. Wow. And then you hear it out loud. Yeah. You don't connect the two. Yeah. Like we don't connect. So people don't even when I tell them my last name, they don't yeah. recognize my name. So I just say Delcam Bree. Delcam Bree. Okay. But it's, it but it technically is Delcom. Delcom. Del Delcom. Yeah. Okay. Like, welcome. Oh, welcome, yeah. Delcom. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Damn, your ancestors must have been bold. Three silent letters? Um, well, that's my husband's last name. Okay, yeah, my right, right. My maiden name is Caluet, which has all the vowels. Yeah. So they were also um, out to get all of, like, the people at airports, you know, who have to announce names and oh, stuff at the right, desk. Right, Oh, shit. <laughs> Trying to make any yeah. teacher's life a really, yeah. really hard. Yeah, well, shit, when people in school, when people saw my name, they thought, like, they just thought it was an accident. Like, half of the, <laughs> half of the teachers would see my name and be like, did someone just, like, fall on a fucking keyboard? <laughs> like, um... God, I've had terrible, like, I've had, um, um, I have had OSI, like, spelled out just by itself, and I've had people read that and say Oscar. I'm not surprised, actually, so, not even a little bit. That's not even dyslexia. You're, like, no. you're just, like, you're adding shit that's not there. Like, dyslexia, you have to, like, jumble shit up that's already right. there, It would right? be, like, ISO. Right, right. But no, they called you Oscar. I have, but at this point though, I don't even, at this point, the only people I care like to, to spell or say my shit right, employers, I just need you to spell the, my name on my paycheck correctly so I can cash it. At this point, man, I'm, I have like 11 different aliases. Doesn't matter to me. Totally. Um, yeah, no, no. People are like, yo, like, man, you should like make people like respected. I was like, 
No, you it's know, exhausting I, I, yeah, to make people yeah, respect it. It is. It is. And it's really hard to do it, at least for me. Like, I, like I feel like a bitch mm-hmm. <laughs> when I correct someone. Also, the, <laughs> the worst this past year and a half, like meeting new people in like work environments through Zoom, um, you cannot interrupt an entire fucking Zoom meeting when like someone introduces you and says your name wrong to correct them. You can't do that. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I did it once. And like, you know, like, you know how like the, the outside of your box like goes green when you start talking and like fucking face just like, you know, pops right, up to the screen. Yeah, the, yeah it <laughs> it's actually OC and uh, like just stop like the whole thing. And I, I like anyway, man, this, this 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 episode is not about me. It is about you. Go ahead. Reintroduce yourself. Tell the, the listeners what you do and everything. Go ahead. Happy to. Hi. So I'm yeah. Dr. Claire Del Cambry or Delcom, if we want to be very correct. Yeah. Um, and I am a doctor of physical therapy. So I'm a physical therapist. I work with people um, addressing their pain, injuries, healing, um, and their movement. So we work on like optimizing movement and um, performance. And then I'm also a pelvic floor physical therapist. So that means that I work with people with pelvic floor conditions. So that's anything related to the pelvic floor, such as um, urinary incontinence or pain with sex or um, in men with like erectile dysfunction or any kind of sexual dysfunction, um, urinary dysfunction, bowel dysfunction, um, which would include things like constipation, and chronic bloating and different things related to that. Um, Also women pregnant and postpartum. And then I'm also a concussion specialist. So I work with people post-concussion on um, healing and reintroducing activities safely and appropriately. And I also work with people who are maybe 5, 10, 15 years after concussion Mm. who are still experiencing symptoms. So treat a lot of people for a lot of things and um, work on a lot of different things to help people feel better and go through their lives with more function, with a higher, better quality of life. Mm -hmm. Um, remind, remind me after the, the episode. I'll, I'll talk to you about the constipation thing. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I'm here for you. <laughs> we can joking. talk about it now. Really, Honestly, really, <laughs> I should I, I should get one of those food allergy tests. Like I actually, I, I low key know that dairy fucks me up. It's just that like a burrito without cheese is a crime. It's not the same. You know what you could do? There are a few things. So most people are sensitive to dairy and it either results in constipation or um, diarrhea and coming to y'all live through the podcast with the word diarrhea, just get ready. It gets more intense. Um, prepare yourselves. But, um, so it's one or the other. I'm actually treating someone for fecal incontinence who gets constipated with dairy. That was a huge problem while she was having problems with it, which is super interesting. But anyway, typically there are a few things you can do. Yes, you should avoid dairy at all costs. However, like you got to live. Life mm-hmm. is meant yeah. to be lived, you know? Yeah. Um, and so you can take lactate, which really does help mm-hmm. with just digesting it. It's just the enzyme that we need to break down dairy. Mm-hmm. But then you can also add in other things that help. So like most people are deficient in magnesium. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you're constipated, like I'm someone who runs um, on the slower end of digestion. So um, I take magnesium citrate. Mm-hmm. My friends call it magnesium citrate. Oh. <laughs> 
Um, they'll just take one <laughs> capsule and they'll have to go. Um, yeah. I'm not like that. I could take seven and I just have a normal, regular bowel oh. movement. But um, so ma adding magnesium to your mm -hmm. diet can be really helpful. And that's one that um, it's water soluble, so you can't take too much of it. Um, and it's pretty safe to take as far as like feeling like you're likely deficient. Mm -hmm. Most people mm -hmm. are. We don't get it in our soil anymore, which is a whole other conversation. Um, so anyway, that's a nice way to kind of address it. Yeah. Wow. That like, yeah, because cause when, I, when I eat dairy, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, um, it's like, like, uh, I don't know. It's like I can feel the inside of my body. Totally. Yes. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yes, you can feel it moving, yeah, right? You can feel yeah, and it's, it, mm -hmm. Yes, it 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 feels like like yeah, like 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 my body like added another function because like okay, here's this thing we like now have to deal with. Kind of like alcohol. Like 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 if you're you're drunk, you're not paying attention to it, but like if you're just buzzed, you can kind of especially like on like like when you're um, starting to sober up, like the the like feeling of sobering up, like you can like feel that it's it's really it's weird, but um, no. Anyway, yo, you so to people listening, um, when uh, so I had pain like in my back and and neck, my my spine like basically before working uh, with you, Claire, it, it looked like a W, and like I, I, not obviously not literally, but like. It, it was just, it was every, that's what it felt like. It felt like shit was just fucked up. Like I couldn't tell, like it's coming from like top down or middle fucking, I, I don't even know. And yeah, like after seven, eight long ass months, but like, you know, feeling like progress little by little, um, finally felt way, way, way better. Um, and uh, now I'm back to missing like, 95 out of 100 three-pointers on the court, which is fine because I'm at least able to do that. I was about to say you're on the court, yes, though. Yes, exactly. You're on the court exactly. and you're able to do what, yep. 105 <laughs> shots, which yep. is amazing. Yeah, exactly. That's a lot. Yeah. And it's like, like, um, it, especially, I mean, I'm 24, so I guess, uh, yeah, I think, I think pre 30, probably most of us take advantage of just being like able-bodied for sure. Um, um, and, and yeah, like I've never like broken anything. Like I've never, you know, I was never one of those kids that had like people signing my cast and shit. Like I, I was like jealous of that. I like low key wanted to right. like break. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's, a, that's another story. But like, yeah, no, it's, it's um, one thing I did not know until I was like battling it is I did not realize how much physical pain like fucks with you as a person. Like like you're it's hard to agitation is not even like the right word. You're just not like um like if you feel like a little kink somewhere or something like and and but like everything else is fine it's still like, like you're like slightly upset and like you don't even realize it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea. It's, it's like, um, it's like the pain even doesn't have to be that high, mm -hmm. right? Like on a scale of zero to 10, I would say like, for example, just like speaking on behalf of myself, I used to have really low level 
but constant low back pain. Mm. And for a month, I was like, okay, it's fine. It'll go away. Okay, two months pass. I'm like, no, it's fine. It'll go away. Six months pass. I'm like, okay, why isn't it gone? And by six months, that level two feels like a level six, seven. And it's not because the pain necessarily got worse. Mm -hmm. It's just you've been dealing with it for so Mm -hmm. long. And you're right. It like doesn't necessarily change your function. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily change the way you're able to do things. Mm -hmm. You're still able to do them, but they're not as fun. Mm And you absolutely are more emotional, Mm -hmm. which is a whole other thing. Like we have our pain centers in our brain, which Mm -hmm. are next to our emotional centers. So of course they activate together. Um, So we're on more on that, like leaning towards the negative emotion side and kind of hanging on the edge there and teetering on the edge of like angry versus upset versus Mm -hmm. like frustrated. And that's kind of always there. And then there's a little bit of stress that Mm -hmm. comes with feeling pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... It's also, it just, because you can't have as much joy out of your activities, you don't want to do the same things as much. So things that used to be really fun aren't as fun. So you're not having as much fun, which is a huge piece of just like life. We should always be trying to have fun every day. Right. At least a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Something you do should be fun. Yep. And you're not really able to do that. So you're not getting as much joy. You're not getting to let off steam. And then that's, it's always there. And how do you get rid of it? And and it's just frustrating. Absolutely. Yeah. And and maybe I think it's like, like, um, it's easier to understand, uh, which is kind of weird. Like it's easier to, to see it on from the outside and that like, I I think of like um and not even like an old dog like like a like a young healthy dog who might like be like maybe for like a couple of days or weeks or whatever maybe they like sprained their ankle or whatever and they're just like you know they're doing their thing with like this slight limp and you can see on their face that they're like aware that they are not the exact same like person that they are like you can just see like that that that's that's what it feels like but it's harder to recognize that feeling like inside than than it is like to to see it like like just like t- just being slightly wounded like really alters your mood and yeah i didn't i didn't realize that well and i think too it's very easy it's very human to say it's there but it's not that mm-hmm. bad i can keep doing mm-hmm. x y or z i can keep doing my normal activity i can push through this yeah this is no big deal I don't have to like pay attention to it. And I think part of it is our brain does this really cool thing where we dissociate from pain. Mm -hmm. Like if we have something to do, like I think of you, you're a prime, like a primary example of this, of just your job is playing an instrument Mm -hmm. that requires you to be in a certain position Mm -hmm. for a very long amount of time. Um, It's very physically demanding. And so the pain that you had your brain made sure you couldn't pay attention to it. It was there. You felt it, but you couldn't pay attention to it. And so um, the intentional lack of awareness can sometimes amplify it in that way, which is an extremely interesting thing, but it's it's very important um, when you have to play your instrument that you're not paying attention to it, right? Because if you pay attention to it, it makes playing that instrument that much harder and that much more frustrating yeah yeah and and i didn't really start to care about the pain until it impacted uh the things that i wanted to do like like directly it was just like okay like i I just like can't play right now and um that's when i started to because similar to you it's just like i was uh i guess 23 at the time and uh like i was like yo i'm 23 like 
fuck like I don't have low back issues like every every person in my life that like has had low back issues is like a grandpa cartoon character I'm like I'm not that I'm not fucking I, you know you know what I mean and and and, and I've I never met like other younger people that had like unless they had like a severe like health issue so I, I was like okay like it'll be fine and then months pass months pass and um that but I guess that's also because I never um a big part of it, I guess, too, specifically with what I, I do is that I just underestimated, like, the athleticism of it all. I think had I been more in that mindset, it would have been just as, like, normal as a basketball player getting, like, I mean, they get rehab, like, five times a fucking day, you know? So, like, I think had I had I respected the athleticism that goes into playing a giant fucking hunk of metal, I think I would have, like, looked out for, like, reached out for help sooner. But it didn't make sense because, like, I've been playing this thing since 12 um, and, like, it was just till now till it was, like, really this... Uh, massive issue which i guess is kind of like i i like applaud my my body for like somehow like going through all that without like really any awareness for half of my life you know mm -hmm. what i mean with the, so like not that so then that's when like when i started working with you that's when i realized like okay like this is a a a like like a culmination of like just years of fucked up posture like not engaging what should be engaging over engaging shit that shouldn't and um anyway i mean that's just my own personal uh, uh story but um i guess like for you talk about like um how uh how how I, I'm, I'm sure it varies between like like client to client but like how do you help people become more mentally aware of of their body um so i I kind of take this very, I'm kind of sneaky about it mm. because <laughs> whenever you want people to be aware, I don't, I don't necessarily want people to be more aware of their pain, mm. right? Like, so if we're more aware of our pain, if we allow our, our pain to really talk to us, um, it gets worse. And so like, I think that there's a time and place to really focus on mm. that. And um, there are some studies that support doing mindfulness practice where even you take a moment and you really spend time feeling that pain, but then you move on. Mm. And that is helpful. That's been shown to be really beneficial, but you have to move on. That's uh -huh. the big piece. So there are some people who really don't benefit from focusing on their pain because the moment they do, that's all they think about. Yeah. And there's a lot of fear that's around yeah. pain. People are very afraid of pain. I can't tell you how many people come to me and sometimes I'll just ask people out of curiosity, what do you think is going on? What's, what's your perspective? I had one man come and tell me um, that he thought he had a lot of muscles, ligaments, and tendons just dangling around in there. That was, it was one of the funny, it was very funny <laughs> to me. Like a loosely packed suitcase. Or yes, just, just everything just <laughs> swinging around. And I just, it, it's a helpful question for me to ask because it helps me understand um, how their interpretation of what their body is yeah. doing. Um, it, it helps me understand their fear levels and their yeah. anxiety levels re regarding their pain. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of, most people respond with cancer. 
That's a really wow. common one. People are really afraid that they have cancer. And yes, cancer can cause pain. That is true. However, most of the time it's musculoskeletal. Mm. And even more of the time it's muscular in nature. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people are afraid that it's maybe a disc herniation or something's wrong with their nerve. And um, if that's the case, uh, it's very obvious. Mm. Um, typically, though, it's the muscle. Yeah. And so I think that we don't give credit enough credit to muscle um, for being this perpetuator of pain but second to the skin it's our largest organ yeah. so we need to really give it some credit there but as far as introducing awareness we first focus on like I, I do some manual therapy where we draw attention to very specific tissue right so I'm palpating very specific muscles very specific joints very specific nerves and we are looking at each of those um, all by themselves individually. And even that alone can bring a little bit of awareness mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. um, and then I start to incorporate some participation. So now while I palpate this muscle, I'm going to have you move and mm -hmm. try something doing that. And then that brings even more awareness to maybe what that muscle is doing or the role it's mm -hmm. playing um, in your movement. And then again, like I'll, I'll have people move and then I'll tell them what I see. Yeah. Um, and more often than not, that really resonates with how they're feeling mm -hmm. as well. So from there, it really comes down to these slow introductions of um, and very gentle introductions yeah. of here are different things that your body is telling you. Yeah. Here are different signals it's sending you. And this is how it's resulting in your movement. This mm -hmm. is what we're seeing because of that. And then from there, we give exercises that strengthen certain muscles. They start to feel them more every day. Yeah. And then that starts to build more awareness. Yeah. So I really am pretty sneaky about it. Um, we talk about posture. I always talk about posture with people, but um, even with that, the more important thing is that people are changing their posture. Yeah. And that's another, that's a message that I really believe in. Um, a lot of people really strive for perfect posture and um, there's no such thing. Mm -hmm. So don't strive for it. Just yeah. try and change your posture every 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing that I really spend a lot of time on is spending time focusing on that. And then another thing that I love to do that we did is spending time on breathing. Yeah. Breathing is huge. So like you right now, listener, think about your breath and just think about, just breathe normally. Think about where are you feeling your breath? Think about your chest. Think about your abdominal wall. Think about your belly. Think about your back. As you breathe, where are you feeling it? Put your hand on your heart, hand on your belly. And now breathe. Where do you feel the air first go? Mm. Most people will feel it in their chest. Most people don't feel anything in their belly. Yeah. So what we want is to pay attention to that pattern because chest breathing is our more common breathing. Most of us are very quick moving people with lots of things to do. And so we breathe through our chest. Right. Um, it takes calmness to breathe through our bellies. Yeah. And it takes focus to breathe through our bellies. But if we can spend a little bit of time breathing through the belly, that helps down-regulate our nervous system, it helps us de-stress, and it also provides a little bit of movement to our ribs and our mid-back and our low back. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of the stress and pressure off of our chest and mm -hmm. our shoulders and our neck, which is where most people tend to have some form of tension or pain. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we could just get people breathing deeper a few times a day, yeah. I think everybody would feel a little bit better. Yeah, damn. Yeah, like the world would probably be like a literal better place if everyone took deep breaths. And it's fucked up because like I think we've like 
I think we've been introduced to deep breathing, like, at least from my experience, I feel like I've always heard it um, as a, um, like, a problem arises and then you deep breathe. And, like, I think the biggest thing with you was realizing that, like, deep breathing is a preemptive thing. Like, like it's like... Like, um, like I will, you know, if you get angry, take some deep breaths. It's like, fuck, you might not get angry if you were taking the deep breaths. You know, like it's it's like to know that, like, we're supposed to be like that all the time is um, at least most of the time. You know, like there's going to be moments where, like, you're you're breathing faster, whether you're like you're exercising or nervous or whatever. But like it's the, like I, I just became super aware of like my just like um what is it called? Like your, your, the, the state that you're in, like most of the time, you're just like chilling. Oh, uh, it called just like parasympathetic state. Oh, I don't oh, know. Dude, I no. have no okay, idea. Sorry. No, no, nope. no. <laughs> no, but it's like, it's like, just like what you are, like most of the time we're like, you know, I guess in modern society, we're sitting down maybe at a computer or just whatever. And like, like that time is where like, um, I found that if you're not, uh, or, you know, if you're not careful, like, you, you're you can randomly just like stop your breath for no reason like maybe you're reading totally. something you're so focused you just stop breathing um uh also uh in response to um the whole like self-diagnosis thing because like you know internet and shit mm-hmm. um i don't know like what pops up for other people when the first google i would personally like to say fuck mayoclinic.com like I'll, I'll google mayo clinic and be like i have a sore throat and then go on Mayo Clinic and be like, it'll be like, oh, uh, well, it's probably nothing. Or you need to check into an emergency room right now because you're dying of 55 different diseases. That like, like, And you get so fucking worked up, depending on who you are. Like, If you already kind of are like a high anxious person, mayoclinic.com will fuck your shit up. Avoid Mayo, avoid Healthline, <laughs> yeah. avoid WebMD, avoid yeah. those. Healthline in particular really drives me nuts. Oh. But... Yeah, yeah, Mayo yeah. Clinic too. Yeah, WebMD especially. WebMD is garbage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. WebMD and Mayo Clinic are the ones that pop up uh, uh, first for me, which is weird because it's like I don't even know what they get out of that. Like, you, like they're not, they don't prescribe anything. They don't have hospitals of their own. So like, you're sending people to shit that you don't even make money. <laughs> I think they get more readers. That makes just sense. like sensationalize yeah. it, yeah. and you'll get a lot more readers. They'll go through down the rabbit holes. Yeah. I yeah. see people all the time who are so concerned about all the things they have. I have one patient recently who um, she was having. So this is an interesting case in general. This is um, something that I, I. This is more pelvic floor related, but she um, was having urinary urge. So that just means you feel like you have to go all the time, even though you don't. And so she was having that. And then, um, she was looking up, what could it be? And immediately the first thing that comes up is something called interstitial cystitis, Mm. which is, um, an inflamed bladder. You look at the images for that and they are terrifying. Mm. They are, um, very creepy. They look like something you would find in a haunted house there. And here's the truth is that, and so she thought, For a very long time, she had interstitial cystitis, which created a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. Um, Treatments for it are very difficult. And then she went to a urologist and he said, no, you don't have that. She ended up having surgery. She still thought she had interstitial cystitis because um, the urge sensation was still there. And there was, and then after that, um, she's doing a lot better now, but she always came asking, but are you sure it's not interstitial cystitis? 
very few people have interstitial cystitis. Yeah. It's like less than 2% of the population mm-hmm. actually has true um, interstitial cystitis. It's actually, it's almost always a pelvic floor issue, um, like with the muscles, excuse mm-hmm. me, with the muscles. But um, the fear that came from that um, was something that then I had to help her with, which is really challenging because um, you have the signs and symptoms that are related to this very scary diagnosis, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to feel um, like that's maybe not true and mm-hmm. that's not your destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's an interesting thing whenever you have all these websites with all this um poorly presented information like I can't tell you how many people I see who think they they have that disease Mm -hmm. when really they don't Mm -hmm. they have something potentially called painful bladder syndrome but even that is very rare so it's a really interesting thing as a practitioner to see the people with the uh coming to me with the things that they naturally resourced like mm-hmm. or uh, like researched and looked it up like of course you did you right. had all these crazy symptoms you want to know what potentially it could be you want to know what you should be asking your doctor like people should be doing that in the information age it doesn't make sense if you don't i yeah. think that's also yeah. kind of crazy yeah. right um but then it's also just knowing that what you're finding like take with a grain of salt yeah. because the yeah. information you're being presented with is likely outdated right. um or hypersensationalized right and and that's like like, um, I'm sure during, uh, it was probably at its worst during COVID, um, just like being like, my eyelashes itch. Do I have COVID? Like, dude, if they make money, if like Mayo Clinic can then make money off of like reading and like, um, you know, just clicks and shit. Like, I'm sure that that CEO was like silently the new fucking Jeff Bezos after this past year and a half, because that, that. Man, I, the, the first couple of months, like, literally, I would just be like, yo, like, my pinky toe is, like, a little... And, like, I, like, know what happened. I, like, dropped, like, a hammer on it. And I'd be like, but it still hurts. Do I have COVID? Like, like I was, like, that anal about, like, all that shit. And, like, it... it yeah, man, that... Which is... This is... Okay, so... So, was helping people... Uh, from like a mental standpoint, um, especially during COVID, was uh, how, how much? How much did did your patients on average seem different overall? Like when help, like 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 working with people during COVID, and I just wonder if that stress or anxiety like manifests like physically in terms of like, yeah. What what, what was that like? Um, it's interesting you ask that. I mean, that's um, a poignant question because, like, yes, behavior changed. Um, people I had been seeing, their pain got a lot worse. Mm. And part of that was change in activity. So people weren't exercising the same. They weren't moving the same. They weren't going outside. They mm. were stuck at home. They were working from home. They were sitting in these horrible chairs or on their couch or in their bed doing work. So there's there's a lot that goes with that. Um, but the other piece of it is the stress and anxiety that comes from going through a global pandemic yeah. in California, no less. I would say that California was especially stressful yeah. um, for its own reasons. Uh, so with that, I started to see people having definitely more pain. And, and if you experience pain, you'll notice that when you're more stressed out, 
it shows up mm -hmm. um, and it amplifies. And when we're more worried, more anxious, uh, moving really fast and feeling overwhelmed, that's when our pain shows up and is definitely worse. Mm. And that's part of those pain centers in our brain being activated um, and sending more signals and right. making those signals much louder. Right. Um, so it is so true. And it was interesting at first. It was um, kind of discouraging for me. You know, I, I had been treating these people and they were getting better. And then suddenly a lot of people just started to regress. Yeah. And um, for a little bit there, you know, it's, it's hard as a provider who wants to help to see your patients get mm. worse. Yeah. That is a very yeah. hard thing yeah. to um, sit back and observe. Um, and that's something where I myself had to take a step back and also recognize my role mm -hmm. um, and my very tiny role in the, the mm -hmm. large scale of their lives mm -hmm. and what that looked like. Um, but it was an interesting thing. And it, it is getting better, but I still see um, people are still in that heightened state yeah. of just activity, awareness, stress, uh, anxiety. And, um, so it's interesting seeing people with definitely amplified pain yeah. in general yeah. and worry over that. Yeah, man, that's insane. That's like, I'm not sure what the equivalent that is. Like, I'm thinking like a, like a, like a teacher showing up every day wondering why like her students are dumber, like every day, just is going like, yo, how do you guys know less than you did yesterday? Like, like that, that's gotta be so frustrating. Cause I mean, at least, at least for you, there's an answer. And the funny thing is that actually does happen in school. It's called summer vacation. At least <laughs> I fucking, I forgot everything. But um, yeah, no, but, but that's, that's, um, yeah, you're, you're, I think I'd said this to you last time, but you're, <laughs> you're in one of those fields where like the saying business is booming means that like terrible things are happening, kind of, you know, like, like, like. If like um um like if you if you read a statement just standalone and like didn't connect the dots right like it would be funny to just be like oh like um uh physical therapists are in like seven hundred percent more demand than like 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 you know like it's it, it's weird because like um man what would what would that office party look like you know it's funny I would actually celebrate and here's why yeah okay because my deepest hope mm. is that people stop going to orthopedists and stop uh, going to surgeons yeah. and start coming to us yeah wow because that's really where the problem we would be in more demand mm. if people stopped getting as much surgery yeah. and started doing more preventative care or conservative mm. care and right now the definition of conservative care is just not surgery yeah. so that means like a cortisone shot which actually weakens your tissue and mm. actually puts you at a higher risk of injury later oh. right so um, it definitely has its own place mm. um, but also like pain medication is considered conservative care but really, like, you know, like we, I mentioned earlier, it's most pain has a muscular origin. So if we could just change your movement, make your muscles stronger, link, mobilize the ones that are too short or stiff or mm -hmm. not moving enough, strengthen the ones that are a little too weak, um, you're going to feel better. So mm -hmm. I would celebrate if we went up in demand, <laughs> yeah. but only for that reason, right. because I don't know that I see that shift happening anytime yeah. soon. However, yeah. I do think it'll happen um, as people start to become more aware of what our field does. Mm -hmm. Because I do think um, there's also a lack of awareness of what 
physical therapy mm-hmm. is. And until you have a need for it and you have a doctor prescribing it, or maybe you have a friend who went, um, it's hard to know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. I have people ask me to do massage all the time and I'm like, I didn't get a doctor mm-hmm. to give you a massage. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's such a, that's such a good point too, because like, um, I think, and, and I, I think like if, if, even if you you are sure like or you're clear with like what physical therapy is i think like uh people think you have to be like a lineman that's getting like the shit beat out of them like 10 hours a day to need a physical therapist and it's just like nah dude you've just been like picking up like that carton of eggs wrong like for 15 years and like your back just (laughs) finally said fuck this shit enough yeah yeah like i like like that might be because I guess in, for us, the, like the context that we see, um, um, yeah, I mean, like, I have probably, I probably saw a physical therapist watching like Kobe and MJ documentaries mm-hmm. for like, like I'm, I, it probably took like, I, I can't even, the, the first time I saw someone or met someone working with a physical therapist was like well 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 into my life obviously you know when you're a kid i mean you you know people who go to like physicians and um you know all sorts of people you know people who have gotten surgery but um but that's also another one of those things it's it's because i guess like i guess like 90 percent of pain is stuff that you can push through if like you're stubborn um until like it's just a problem and then i guess when it's a problem it sounds like people run to surgery. Yeah. So, exactly. which like, and I'm, I'm sure it's, there's more to it than this. My logic is that like, we didn't have surgeons like thousands of years ago. So I'm just like guessing that the body could do a self repair kind of thing without surgery. Like there's no way we would have made it right like as a as a species like if we couldn't like self-correct without like needing this modern technology which is surgery right like i mean that would be my logic in terms of um like i would try to do everything else first before like opening my body (laughs) you know right i (laughs) think too like people when they're in so much pain for however amount of time, whether they've never had pain before and now they're in a lot of pain, Mm. that's scary. Or they've been dealing with a pain and then it just starts to get progressively worse. That's also scary. So I think whenever you're operating from this place of, excuse me, I'm coming in hot off of a sinus infection. (laughs) So (laughs) you're welcome guys. Um, But whenever you're going from being in this pain state and being fearful, you're looking for the quickest possible mm. solution, right? And so the quickest pop, pop, possible <laughs> solution um, in most people's minds is surgery. Mm. However, what people aren't told by their physicians often um, or don't have in mind is the recovery process of surgery and what exactly that entails. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, I'm seeing someone right now who's post-surgery. Her doctor told her six weeks, you'll be totally fine. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Six weeks came and went. There was no way she was ready to return back to sport or her normal activity. There was no way. And it's because 
yeah, at six weeks, your scar tissue is healed. Your muscle is technically mm-hmm. healed. Um, your tissue is technically healed over. It didn't magically regain strength. It didn't magically regain its mobility. It didn't magically regain its uh, your ability to use it well, mm-hmm. right? So um, then she's also still in a little bit of pain. That's another part of it is like, Pain from surgery doesn't just go away. Swelling lasts up to nine months after a surgery. Nine months is a long time. So after surgery, you should be icing that injury or that surgical site for at least six months, if not the full nine, and which people don't really think of. So they'll still have pain in those areas. So surgery is the long game, and it's not necessarily the best game. And really, the best long game is to do something like physical therapy or more conservative management because likely you can get rid of the pain. Mm -hmm. Likely, if it shows up again, you now have the tools you need to manage it, and you can return to everything you want to do much faster, much more effectively, and now you don't have all that scar tissue and weak tissue Mm -hmm. there um, that could potentially be re-injured later in life yeah so um really physical therapy i'm like what's the downside yeah 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 it's true it's i mean if you have health insurance it's covered to some extent um unless like like i have um some friends that just turned 26 and like their health insurance plans are like 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 you could get that like as like the side of like a fucking quarter pounder meal like their shit doesn't cover but like if you're in an actual functioning adult like you didn't just turn 26 your insurance like probably covers it to some extent luckily uh i'm still 24 so which like dude lately i've just been like scheduling appointments for shit that like i don't even need i'm like man i am riding this free insurance out until man any anyway that that that's that's a, another conversation but dude i i i i'm i'm trying to think of it like in terms of alignment in terms of like, I wouldn't even believe a doctor if they told me that I would be good in six months because I'm trying to... What's that the one game, like, people pull... Like, you pull a stick out of and, like, it might fall or whatever. Like, you're just trying to stop. I know what you're talking about. Is it Jenga There is Jenga. That's, like, more like the little blocks. Yeah. Totally. They look like wafers or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm, like, imagining, like, if those if those things could, like, walk... Some they were like somehow like animate, you know, sentient beings or whatever, and like it was like walking, like, and, but like you pulled like one or two out or like rearranged it. Like, I wouldn't expect it to be like the same, like, it, it would have it would be like moving and functioning differently, which would then like fuck with one side of it more or less because it's not used to having maybe like more of the blocks on this side or like lower or this or that. And that like, if a human body, let assuming this patient's like 30 or 40 something or whatever, if like you have had this thing for that long, how could you be recalibrated in six weeks? Like, like how, I wouldn't even believe that. Like, right. like, like we're amazing, but we're not like that fucking amazing. You know what I mean? Like, like, like yeah. you, because even I could even feel like, like, like as I was getting better, I could feel that there was almost like I could feel my body almost resisting getting better in a sense that like it was starting to find a rhythm within all the fucked upness. You know what I mean? So like I can't even like and that was just like um uh I guess like a, a year or so 
in terms of it being in that state, like that particular state, but like 20, 30 years or something. And then you're told six weeks, you're good. That, okay. So, so how, how is a medical professional even giving that advice? So with medical doctors, Mm. with surgeons, they don't care about rehab. Mm. It is extremely rare. That's not to say that they all, I'm speaking extremely generally. There are some amazing orthopedic Mm. surgeons out there. There are amazing spinal surgeons out there who um, care about the rehab as much as they care about the surgery. That is definitely true. Mm -hmm. However, there are also a lot of surgeons who don't care about the rehab. All they care about is what does my surgery look like? Was it successful in that moment? Is the tissue healed? There's no infection. Okay, go. Mm. And I've had patients who had total shoulder replacements, which for those of you who don't know, that is a replacement of the humerus um, and sometimes of the glenoid. So that's the uh, on your scapula. So anyway, either way, we have these two joint surfaces that are totally removed and replaced with something else. And they have to cut through multiple muscles um, and then sew them back together. Okay. And I had someone three months post-op. And he came to me and he said, yeah, my doctor said uh, in four weeks that I'll be able to go swing a golf club. He's like, dude, you were immobile for two months. You were immobile for two months. You think that you're going to go and swing a golf club two months after that? No way. No. And I I had to check his expectations there because he was was like, well, what the heck? You're going to get me there. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you're going to get yourself there. I'm here to help you. But then also, um, let's just talk about what the tissue does in Mm. that time. When we immobilize tissue, it takes months of prolonged stretching um, to regain that mobility, let alone when you cut a muscle and re-sew it back together. Uh, It takes a long time to relearn how to use that, let alone get it stronger. Right? So, um, for example, like we experience muscle atrophy or where the muscle wastes away after two weeks of not using it. Mm. So it just takes two weeks to start losing muscle. And then if you think about after a surgery, people are waiting two months. And then to regain muscle fibers, it takes three months. Mm. Damn. So why are we acting like any of these surgeries are gonna get better before that three month mark yeah. if we can't even regain any muscle strength before that three month mark, not true muscle mm-hmm. strength? Um, that it just baffles me. However, surgeons are concerned with different tissue mm-hmm. and different results mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than maybe you, the patient, yeah. are, yeah. or I, the physical therapist, yeah. am. Yeah. Damn. I, you know, th- this is uh, so like a couple days ago. I mean, it's it's been a hot topic, especially in the past however many years, um, especially this like weird thing now where somehow, um, I don't even know, who the fuck like realized that there was a market for creating like celebrity surgeons. Um, but like, uh, guys like Dr. Miami and like, like, uh, you know, which like I I find it entertaining and, you know, but I'm also like, "Mm." I mean, if you're, if you're, I I don't know, I I wouldn't want the dude who's like cutting me up like on fucking Snapchat, but (laughs) anyway, uh, uh, this past weekend or whatever, um, People were talking about like how um, uh, fucked up uh, BBLs, uh, Brazilian butt lifts and all that shit is. And it's like, 
Well, but what, what I was getting from it is it's kind of similar to a inexpensive car in that like um, so many people probably make enough to make payments on a BMW, whatever. But like, can you afford to maintain it? And that was basically the conversation with uh, people like spending however many months or years saving up for this like butt lift or whatever cosmetic thing they're trying to do and just not realizing that like mm, you, you got to get like checkups and you got to get it like relifted and then like lifted again and it's like you, you know you, you see like how like like a, a celebrity's ass looks different like by the end of the day like that costs a shit ton of money you know what i mean like and like like my thing is like i mean Capitalism wouldn't be a thing if you like had to like really tell someone like the pros and cons of like what they are purchasing. But to me, this is different in that like I I, I, I wonder what your take is on this. Is it unethical for a surgeon to know that like this thing that they know is gonna require maintenance, like knowing that like these people will not be able to like afford it. Like, like that. you're an adult, I get it, you're an adult, you buy, like whatever you buy, you buy, but like it's so, it's fucked up, right? Like to, like, like, that's just, that's so messed up. I think for one, the Brazilian butt lift is unethical. Um, it has terrible outcomes, it shouldn't be done. Mm. Um, people have to get them reversed most of the time. Um, and yes, you have to get many, many surgeries. Um, it's, but I'm also like, if you just strengthen your glutes, they'll get a lot bigger. Yeah. Like give it three months. If you just work hard bigger. and take accountability. You don't even have to work that hard. Yeah. It's not even that hard, but whatever, that's whatever. But, um, and there are, now they have all these other procedures out there that are way cheaper, just fat transfer yeah. or whatever. Go yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but um, as far as that goes, like if the surgeon's totally upfront with it and says this is how many times you will likely need another mm. surgery, this is the effect of that, this is the net cost over time. Mm. Um, I think that that's fair. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's for any other surgery, I'm very anti-Brazilian butt lift. So if you have one and you're listening, um, nothing against you, just against your surgeon. Mm -hmm. um, but. It, as far as that goes, I think it comes down to letting people know the expected cost over time. Yeah. That they should totally be aware of yeah. what checkups you'll need, potential need for future surgeries and mm -hmm. other procedures mm -hmm. to maintain. Yeah, and that and that that's what I was uh reading. Um like uh what 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 yeah, so many people uh just saying like I had absolutely no idea that like I would have needed uh, maybe to like uh, uh, do like a, a checkup like two years later, five years later, whatever depends on the person. Um, yeah. And a lot of people were saying like they were never told that like the impression that they had was like they walked into the office and it was like, oh, like, are you ready to get like your dream body like once and for all? And then like, you know, you're all you'll be on your way. Um, but then another person had said that like after, um, the first thing that like they talked to her about was like discounts on like her second and third and fourth like visits, 
when she comes back. But like they never ever talked about like her possibly needing to come back. Um, anyway, I mean, co- cosmetics. Are, and it, actually, my my question for you: Do, do, do does that ever? Um, because I guess if you're if you're uh, changing like the size of a body part or whatever. Um, is there like some need for like recalibration that might like involve a physical therapist if getting like cosmetic surgery? Yeah. Um, so I think my, the first thought I have is like breast augmentation or mastectomy. Hmm. Um, so both of those, anything that changes like the muscular tissue. So a lot of the time, um, with those surgeries, they put the, um, either with like mastectomies, they're removing the breast tissue, but then they're also, um, moving the, they're replacing it with like either the latissimus dorsi Mm. or like some of the rectus abdominis. Um, but then with breast augmentation, they're putting, uh, saline or silicone, um, whatever the thing, um, Mm -hmm under the muscle and then reattaching the muscle and that itself i see a lot of people who have breast augmentation with upper back pain chest pain shoulder pain neck pain Mm. and if they had physical therapy immediately after surgery it would not be the case so you lose a lot of muscle mobility a lot of joint mobility from those surgeries um i have never seen anyone after like butt implants, um, which I know is like a thing. Um, I would just hope my, I would help someone with that. But at the same time, I would tell them to get them removed. Yeah. You should not have anything under that tissue, but, um, absolutely. If you have anything that's affecting your muscles, you should Mm -hmm. go see a physical therapist Mm -hmm. because they're going to show you how to strengthen it, mobilize it, maintain mobility, all of that Mm -hmm. and manage all the other things that come with it. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of side effects from these surgeries. It's not just like you get a boob job and it's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you have a lot of aftercare you have to do and there's a lot of scar tissue you have to mobilize. And um, so, yeah, it's absolutely beneficial. I rarely have it um, see patients who um, come with those things. It's always after, like years after, and I'm seeing mm-hmm. them for something else, like subsequent mm-hmm. to that. Um, but I have seen people who have had like gender reassignment surgeries and um, for them, those are the times that I'm able to see someone kind of quickly, um, after those kinds of like cosmetic surgeries. And in those cases, we're able to prevent a lot of those issues, which is really cool. Yeah. Wow. That, that's, that's insane. And I, and, and, you know, to, to like last thing I'll, I'll say on the, the cosmetic surgery thing, I think the irony is that like what their surgeons do tell them is to, (laughs) is to make sure that they like work out so that they can um like so that they can their thighs can match with with you know their new butt and like like their hamstrings all this stuff and it's just like dude like if you if if working out is inevitable why didn't you just do that start there yeah that's simple. Because, like, if you don't, you kind of just look like a bumblebee. It's hilarious. It's weird. Yeah, it's really, really weird. And it's fucked up because, like, oh, man. Anyway, it's just, it's, it's messed up. But, yeah, just, just reading a lot of uh, people's personal frustrations uh, with their experiences and... Um, well, it's interesting, too. Like, I think it's hard to tell people to work out mm-hmm. because, like, most people don't know how. Yeah. Like, I, I think of the people who... Um, like I have knowledge of it. I grew up doing it, but I grew up like in a military family. That was something that we, my dad always did. So we just did it. 
Um, however, most people don't grow up in homes like that where like the parents exercise and it's normal to exercise Mm -hmm. and the exercise you're exposed to is like high school sports, which that exercise is better these days. But in the past it was also garbage that like just making people run until they vomit. (laughs) Like, okay. Um, we used to have to do like stadiums where we would have to hop up each stadium level, but it was like a foot and a half of concrete. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I would never, ever, ever wish that on my worst enemy. Yeah. It was horrible. I yeah. had shin splints. I was like 15 and had these the worst shin splints. So anyway, um, I think people think of that or they think of like these intense like insanity or these crazy high intensity mm-hmm. workouts. So like I think that there's also like a, la- a lack of understanding of what exercise can be, yeah. which ultimately it's just movement you like. Yeah. And I wish um, people could change their minds, but mindset around it, but... Um, I don't know how to do that yeah. other than just like tell people through things like yeah. podcasts, like, Hey, find a movement you like that's exercise. Yeah. yeah. It just has to be movement. Yeah. Well, cause I think, I think the, uh, the, <clears throat> I hate to call them the basics, uh, because they're not, they're literally the answer in terms of like compound movements and, you know, your, your squat deadlift, um, presses, all that stuff. Uh, they're not, they're not, the, the sexy stuff. I mean, I was just um, uh, uh, seeing this, uh, you know, because all the fitness stuff online, um, it's hard to go viral if you're telling people to be like, hey, just like consistently stick to your, you know, important lifts and like eat right and you'll be you'll be good. Like you have to get people uh, thinking that they're going to become Arnold Schwarzenegger to get people to like get off of their ass with like which is really fucked up. But like on, uh, on Twitter um, the other day, uh, there was a, um, and the caption was like this girl, she just like quoted the tweet saying like, this is why I don't uh, go to the gym. And I think there's truth to what you're saying in terms of people not knowing what to do. And what she was quoting was a tweet of a guy. Um, uh, so you, you know how... Um, the the machines you can get on it's like the like the the bottom part of a of a bench press where you can cut you can use it to do chin-ups too especially if it's like angled angled down so like you put your feet in it and like you you, you pull up yeah yeah so you can like do the the chin-ups so he was doing that but like it was angled down and like where his his head was laying he was he was his head was underwater and so was like his arms and the dumbbells and he was coming up from underwater pressing dumbbells from it this like insane fucking angle and that's why the girl quoted the tweet and she was just like this is why i don't work out and i think there was like like i laughed at it but like now like just talking to you there is some truth to like um because like all the shit that you see now on like 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 there these people are like training to be like fucking stunt doubles in marvel movies and people think like i need that to just like feel comfortable like with my body at the fucking beach and it's like no you don't you know right. but but I, I i totally um uh get it also like i, I think it's kind of um i think like the squat like just like you know the just just like how all the equipment looks because just hunks of metal they look so much more intimidating than than they are um and uh yeah because like when i would i would like in, in like the, when I didn't know how to do any of that stuff and I just like heard all the metal like clanking and shit, I thought they were like fucking, like I thought like, like some crazy shit was going on and, uh, 
Yeah, but anyway, I mean, to 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 your point though, um, yeah, I mean that, and that ties into what you do in that, like, I think redefining what strength and strength building is is uh, uh, so important because I would say at least in in fitness culture for the most part, it is uh, like surrounded by aesthetics um, rather than like functionality and. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I to conclude it, because I, I want to hear your, your point on this, but, like, I have friends in their 40s and 50s that are like, I don't lift because it's going to give me bad knees. And I'm like, isn't that what you do to make sure you don't get bad knees? And it's like, why? Why, why, do, why do the masses believe shit like that? Right. I think it's partially it's medical messaging. Um, I think there are a lot of... I've had doctors tell my patients not to lift weights. Um, we are meant to lift weight. We are designed to lift weight. We are designed to lift heavy things. Um, we are human and we have muscle, therefore we should use it. Um, how else are we supposed to support our knees? How do we support our joints if we don't have strong muscles surrounding them? Then we're just relying on the cartilage there to hold us up and to protect us. Well, cartilage does wear away. So what do you do when that's worn? You need strong muscles. You need them there to protect the joints. The only thing that gets pain to go away is strong muscles. That's the only thing I've never seen anything else work other than mobility along with strong muscles Mm -hmm. though. Um, My patients all have to do strength exercise, right? And they love it because it's empowering. Mm -hmm. It's super empowering to go from feeling hurt or being afraid of movement to doing something that feels like you're making yourself stronger. People want to be strong. It's the people who choose not to be that they're doing it out of fear. They want to be strong too. They just don't know that they can. And so I do think that there's like fear-based messaging. I think people have hurt themselves while lifting. So they thought that that was the cause that's making their knees bad they were likely just not moving well Mm -hmm. because a lot of people have poor movement. Mm -hmm. We all have weak stabilizing muscles. So stabilizing muscles are the ones like those aren't our beach muscles, like the bicep or like our quadriceps (laughs) or our rectus abdominal, like our abs. Um, and by abs, I mean the six pack. We have other abs too that are very important, but we tend not to use. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are all these muscles that we, we neglect and those are the muscles that protect us. And so if we spend a little bit more time strengthening the things that are meant to protect us, mm. it would be a lot more comfortable to strengthen our beach muscles. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot to do with that. And um, it sounds like your friends really just need to see a PT who yeah. can analyze their movement, tell them what to change, and then yeah. they could safely lift. But lifting is so important for strengthening tissue. Yeah. We have to load bones. Yeah. We have to load ligaments. We have to load tendons. Yeah. We have to load all of that for it to maintain its strength. Otherwise, it wears away. And so load is super important. So a lot of the time I hear from people like, I don't run because it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bad for your knees. It's bad for your back, whatever. Um, running is not bad. Running is actually inherently good mm. for your joints. We need that high impact, that high force going through those joints. It actually helps us build cartilage. Mm. However, people are running on weak muscles, 
Um, they're running with poor form and they're running either too far or um, with bad shoes. Yeah. So there's all those yeah. things too that change the, the direction of force yeah. going through their, their joints. So um, they're not using everything available to them like their muscles mm -hmm. um, to absorb that force. Mm -hmm. um, so they get knee pain. Mm -hmm. And so those are things too that people have to consider. Movement inherently is not bad. It's just how are you doing it and are you doing it well for you? Mm -hmm. And if people would just practice a little bit, check out their form, have someone look at their form, have someone watch them move, then they can find the safest ways for them to do all those things that they feel like they can't do right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that, that's, um, um, I, I think everything you're saying, I, you know, you, you have to go to school forever to get the degree, uh, that, that you have. And, um, you know, but, but like, and, and, you know, mad respect to every personal trainer, but like, if you really want the certification, you could get one pretty quickly, like literally maybe even like in a day, like some of them, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the ones that are like held in high regard, like they're, those are the longer ones, I guess a month or two? It depends. There's some that are like the CSCS, you have to have a college mm -hmm. degree to have. Mm -hmm. um, NASM as well, but then there's like uh, ACE. Right. 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 Um, and there are a lot of like cheap, yeah. like cheap yeah. uh, businesses out there just to get your money and mm -hmm. provide you with. Mm -hmm this certificate so that you can go work at your local gym or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. You most of the time don't need a true education and then it's maybe an online course. Mm -hmm. It might've just been an online quiz. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, and I, I just say that because, um, everything you're saying now, I think I've always underestimated the responsibility that like a trainer has for their clients. Um, uh, body and, and and we were saying this um last time we were speaking in terms of like um i mean i i, I you know i was look I, I get it everything becomes a job eventually but like um i'm not sure i would like to think that personally i could never get to a point if i were a, a, a doctor or whatever and where like i could see like i know someone is doing something wrong or I am, I know I'm giving incorrect instruction and just being like fine with that. Like, like what, what, how, how does like your soul get to that point? Or is it just always there? Like, damn, you know? It's interesting. I think it absolutely depends on your education um, your perspective of what people actually need, um, and the impact of that, right? So like, if you don't think the impact is that detrimental, of course you're okay with it. Um, and I think some people don't recognize the effects of that and, mm -hmm. and giving poor instruction or poor advice or half-hearted advice, um, and how that, what that might mean for people. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, for example, I actually, I just took a course this weekend and it was supposed to be this kind of amazing course. I've heard wonderful things and I took it and I was, I left so disappointed mm -hmm. for many reasons. But one of the reasons was what it was teaching for patients or for these providers really was to teach dependence on your provider. So like teach the patient to be dependent on you to fix them. Oh. 
And this is interesting, right? Because like, I think our messaging together was just like, get you on a program that works for you, that will prevent your problems from coming back. So you don't need me again. And if you do, I'm here, but hopefully it's for a totally separate issue. And hopefully that doesn't happen. Right. 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 Um, And because we want to facilitate more than anything, comfort and safety and resilience. And I think those are the most important things in the human body Mm -hmm. that are there. We just have to find them. And um, what I was finding in this course was that movement was really only, it was not even secondary, it was tertiary to the manual therapy techniques. And um, to me, manual therapy definitely has a place. It's definitely important. I think it makes people feel safe. It makes them feel like they're healing. We do help facilitate more movement. We do create changes in the nervous system, which is really important for movement. Mm-hmm. But right, our goal is always movement, right? Um, and always function, right. and that should always be our goal. And that was that was what I was I was seeing in this course was it was being echoed back to me that no, 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 that's not the important thing. The important thing is that you fix this person and you make sure that they need you. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's something that I see in the PT world right? where it's this very passive therapy where the patient isn't really involved, where the PT is just moving their joints for them and stretching them for them. I'm like, you can stretch yourself. Right. right you're going to stretch right. yourself better than I'm going to stretch right. you. Yeah. Because you know your limits. I don't. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's different things like that. Um, if you want a massage, go get a massage. Yeah. You're not going to get that from me yeah. um, because that's not how I'm best helping you. Yeah. Um, and so that's one thing that I see in the therapy world. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I see is um, in the more like physician realm mm-hmm. is. Um, physicians aren't as knowledgeable on healing, Mm -hmm. like healing times, um, what healing requires. They're still operating on dated information. Like salt is bad. Uh, Fat is bad. Um, and so like there it's sugar's fine. (laughs) If you want to act like go exercise, go for a run. Not that there are all these other kinds of exercises. So they're, they're still operating on that. Um, and then they are doing unnecessary surgeries or they're prescribing medications whenever not doing a full background check on, is this even necessary for this patient? And so, um, it's very much so like they're seeing, you know, 32 people a day for them. I think it's more out of necessity than Mm -hmm. it is out of, um, a lack of desire to help. Mm -hmm. I think that they have to be thinking so fast and switching gears between patients and patient stories so often that, um, it's very difficult to give very tailored individualized information Mm -hmm. to run or request the right tests. I think all of that is very challenging. So therefore they defer or they refer you to someone else. Um, and I think that that's really common. And honestly, from my perspective, I understand it. It doesn't mean that it's okay. It just means I understand Mm -hmm. it. And same thing with some PTs. I think, um, they're also in environments. I used to work in an environment where I was treating 18 people a day. Uh, if you're going to PT in that place and that's what you can, what's available to you, keep going. However, I don't see that that's where I was doing my best. Mm -hmm. I was trying my best, but my best was not, um, the best care. Mm. Right. So like I was still, I was burning the candle at both ends. I was doing everything I could for these patients, but I had to do everything I could in 22 minutes. And so that's not enough time to assess movement, to really get the patient's like story and background on 
how are you doing today? How was it last time? What have you been up to? What What's changed mm. since the last time I saw you? Once you're there, you're halfway through the the session yeah. and then you have to what either assess movement and then give exercises to an aide yeah. or um do a manual therapy and then pass them off to an aide so there's just not enough time for mm -hmm. everything that you need to do so there are different things that i think impede the practitioner's ability to do good for mm -hmm. their patients mm -hmm. and that is ultimately an insurance problem it's a profit driven problem it's a healthcare problem, um, which is why um, if you're able to pick your provider, be picky. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're not, that's when you have to be a really strong advocate for yourself mm -hmm. because those people who are providing care to you, they're not going to advocate you for you yeah. because they don't have the time, energy, or availability to do that yeah. most of the time. Yeah. So I'm not making excuses for those people. It's just how it is. Yeah. Damn. Spending... Spending more time hanging those uh, fancy frames on on their wall than you know, like 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 it's uh um, it's weird, man. That it 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 and I, in their in their defense, I guess because of the the demand of the job, um, I am a shitty person when I only get four hours of sleep. <laughs> so, um, and I can't imagine like what that's like every day. Um, in terms of uh, talking to doctors and, you know, how much they're overworked, um, you know, Jesus Christ. I, I don't even, I don't even, yeah, I don't think I could, like, like, put, like, a spoon, like, with food to my mouth, like, efficiently off of four hours of sleep every day, let alone, like, taking care of some other person. No, nah, I'm, I'm out. So maybe there's, there's, like, a, from, like, top, down or vice versa there just there needs to be something addressed in terms of like how um uh the the workload like on a doctor's shoulders and in, in general like maybe if they were getting enough sleep <laughs> they'd be like they'd give more of a shit um yeah like dude i could if i'm on like three hours of sleep someone like pointed a gun to my head i'd just be like well at least i can sleep if you fucking kill me <laughs> so um i know we're we're getting on the, the tail end of, of our time. Uh, and, you know, cause one of the, the, the things, the real reason why I brought you in here is because I need to know something that we are all dying to know. What's really happening when we're waiting 45 minutes for our doctor to finally come and see us? Oh, they're um, either seeing another patient who they are seeing 45 minutes mm -hmm. late. Um, they're documenting. They are communicating with other doctors. They're communicating with other nurses. They are um, potentially late. Um, mm -hmm. Or maybe they had an extra patient slip in. Um, there are all sorts of things that just make them late. Um, but what's interesting is like... Um, that it's, you don't have a choice. It's an interesting thing. Cause like as a PT, um, I, especially as like my own, I run my own business. So I mm. have complete control over my schedule. And I just, I say that of most control over my schedule. Yeah. So, um, in the PT world, we see people on time. That is like the longest you'll wait is probably up to 10 minutes, okay. but that's only because, um, either someone showed up late or someone, um, requires that time. So yeah. 
but you always get that time back. So then I'll just be 10 minutes late the yeah. rest of the day. It happens. But um, for doctors, I think they're inundated with more things um, and more people and more demands. And therefore, they run late. And I think that, too, like, they're not in a hurry yeah. either. Yeah. They're in a hurry with you. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not necessarily in a hurry I was with those hoping other things. you were going to say that they're taking a nap. Um, no. <laughs> No. I wish they were. They don't sleep. It's a shame. They don't sleep. Mm -mm. That is a shame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, there's this, like, smell that, like, doctors, like, offices have. It sounds, like, kind of good. But, like, I don't know, like, what that main thing is. I think it's, like, the, you know, like, uh, what's the, the wooden stick that they mm -hmm. put on, like, on, on your the tongue? The popsicle stick. Yeah. The like, tongue it kinda, stick. Like, they, they, they all smell like that. But, like, why is that such a strong smell? That's an interesting question. Um, I wonder if they diffuse it to cover the other patient smell. Uh, it's probably that, right? That, yeah. Something like yeah. that. Uh, some smelly <laughs> patients. I wish I had that wooden yeah, stick smell yeah, going on. Yeah. Damn. That, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, yo. We were thankful for the mask. Dude. <laughs> the uh, mask mandate. Yo. <laughs> Seriously, seriously, like, like uh, when uh, actually now in the past couple of weeks since um, like or month, I guess, since things have, have been maskless, I didn't realize like how many like 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 smell has now gone from like black and white television to like 8K. Oh, like, yeah. you know, like like it, it, it I was like, oh, man, like I didn't realize like things smelled this strongly, you know, because like like literally the only time you'd really have it off is in your own home and you're like you're used to your own smells and shit but like I was in a um uh like a crowded bar the other day and I was Ooh. just like whoa Ooh. that's overwhelming yeah it's a lot it's nice when you're outside yeah. and like you're with all the foliage yeah but yeah otherwise uh, it's been a minute sometimes since I, I put yeah. the mask on just because I'm like this is a little yeah. much yeah I was smelling like 15 different like perfumes mm. and other things but Anyway, man, I know I know we're on the, the tail end here, and uh, yeah, I mean, like I, I was saying to you earlier, I think it's super, super, super cool that you started your own shop uh, um, for physical therapy and, and just taking care of people's um, needs, because, I mean, you uh, you have like a, a real passion for it, and, and like you, you said the last time we were talking, like you... You'd gone through, um, you had pain yourself um, uh, at some point, you know, earlier in, in your life. So you understand uh, the mentality from a patient perspective and like how, you know, it, it doesn't feel good to have that. And, you know, so I always I always love when uh, like whatever people are doing uh, as a profession, when they can like take a, a personal experience like, like that personal experience, like led them into that because like usually they hustle people like yourself, like hustle, a, like you go that extra mile because like you have like a rounded context of like what you're doing. Um, and, um, yeah. So, you know, but, but before we get out here, man, please brag about your business, man. Like you, you deserve it. Tell people what, what you're doing, man, go ahead. I mean, if you want me to, <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. So at the beginning of the year, I started my business, Hey Babe Wellness. Yeah. Um, I am located at Redondo Beach. And like I said, I treat 
all physical conditions um, and issues and injuries as well as pelvic floor conditions mm -hmm. and uh, treat people after concussions. Um, so that's really where I specialize. That's where I live. Um, and I help people return back to their sports, their activities, doing things like it could be as simple as sitting for a long time um, or as complex as running or playing volleyball or hiking for days, whatever it is. Um, and I absolutely love what I do. It's super fun to own my own business. Um, you can check out my website at heybabewellness.com if you're interested, you want to see what I'm about. Um, and you can contact me through there. Yeah, man, that, man, for, uh, for, first of all, cause I know a lot of, uh, uh, musicians and artists in, in general are listening to this. I know you motherfuckers are in pain somewhere, <laughs> saxophone, <laughs> dancing and shit, fucking doing the worm and shit, slamming your face into the ground every three seconds. I don't even know. That's all the dancers. All the it, dancers doing the worm. Yeah. Comes <laughs> <laughs> you might need to see a few other people too. I don't know, <laughs> dude. Yeah, honestly, if you're still, but but that being, I mean, you do you, right? Right. Do the worm. Who am please. I? Who am I to judge? And the, I'll help the you get moves. back to it right. if you can't do it right exactly. now. Exactly. That's what I'm here for. Exactly. And and yeah, no, because we all feel something at some point, whether it's like a, a, a just a little pinch somewhere, or you know, as you know, severe as as what mine was, but um. And I, I also, I offer virtual sessions. So if like Redondo Beach is too far, mm -hmm. we can do it over Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I can come to you. Yeah. We have oh, some dude, options. I've, I've got some uh, money in some of the telehealth company stocks because like that shit, that's taken over. It's taken over. For it sure. Really, it really is. So a lot of them are like at like a dollar a share right now. I'd say. That's the time to yeah, get in. Seriously. Smart. Seriously. I am not a financial advisor. Disclaimer. Smart. But like literally that's, that's where we're heading. And I'm only making that bet because if you are as lazy as I am, eventually everyone's going to get tired of like actually going to the doctor's office. And that 45 minute wait <laughs> we were just talking about. Totally. Um, they cannot do that to you on Zoom. They can't. So, cool, man. Um, yeah. Like, I, you know, saying to you, uh, uh, I, I guess, again, like the last time we talked, uh, in terms of, you know, my physical health, hope I never see you again. But you did such a good job that I'm pretty sure that I will not, unless I, like, you know, like if I, like, crack my head open or something, like some unrelated thing maybe. But, um, yeah, you're amazing at your job. You're amazing, period. You're awesome. Thanks, OC. Yeah. So are you. Oh. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. And to, yeah, again, to people listening, like I'm going to put like your, your Instagram and website and everything like in the episode description and like uh, promote it, on, you know, on all that stuff. So um, this is great because I know like specifically my listeners need your shit 100%. Like you are... You know what? You know what, man? I'll 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 talk to y'all later. But Claire, thank you. Um, to everyone listening, thank you if you made it all the way to the end. Uh, this is a song called Life, and we're done. Peace. Peace.